Every day, CT testifies to the reality that Jesus is alive, transforming his world and bringing his kingdom to bear. Jesus transforms, CT equips. Make a gift to our nonprofit ministry with a gift of $20 to provide 150 more people with redemptive storytelling, global perspective, and thoughtful podcasts. Give now at morect.com equip. There were times where I'd go back into my room and I'd cry. I'd be at hotels by myself. I'd just cry. That's where I was. But for me to love others, the truth is, is, and I know this seems so cliche because we say these <laughs> things, but I am a great sinner. And I really do believe I have to think, okay, what is some of the deepest, darkest of the grossest stuff that I think, feel, whatever? If I can remember that, <laughs> then I can love this person. Welcome to The Calling, Jenna DeWitt. Hi, glad to be here. Glad to have you. You're the assistant editor at CT. You're responsible for copy editing, among other things. What are the other things? Well, I respond to letters to the editor. That's a fun one. And I get all the unsolicited article pitches. So some of them are really great, unheard of writers that are just now breaking out. Um, and then some of them are <laughs> uh-huh. more entertaining than others. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> so lots of opportunities to engage writers and you also hear from listener listener i guess you might hear from some listener feedback but mostly it's reader feedback. mostly reader feedback right yeah. now we're mostly known for the the written word and <laughs> yeah at uh, the moment <laughs> a little bit of audio word once we overtake i don't know charles stanley in the itunes store yeah let's do it let's do it why okay. not <laughs> we'll do it with this conversation alone we're going to be talking a little bit about Trillian newbell who i interviewed but first i wanted to talk about what makes this podcast possible which is subscribers to christianity today magazine which you are are, are hard at work on right now. yes right now we're doing the july august issue we're 100 percent week 100 percent 100 percent day which <laughs> yes. means if you aren't done by the end of today which is just a few minutes away you missed your deadline you're <laughs> You're in a lot of trouble. So, um, but it's it's fun to watch it come together. And every month, it feels like, whoa, this is the best magazine yet. You yes, know what it I mean? does. It feels like it's constantly improving on itself. The next issue. Tell me a little bit about what's in the next issue that you're excited about. Yeah, we've got this profile of 20 makers. We're calling them our CT makers. They're innovators, change makers, leaders within entrepreneurship. Um, they're using their fields creatively and um, to pursue the calling God has for their lives. Um, this is going to be really diverse efforts all across the world. We've got a very international group of people here. I'm really excited for you guys to read these profiles because you're just going to be blown away by what God's doing through his people all across the world. So Christianity Today magazine offers redemptive yet honest coverage of the people, events, and ideas shaping the church and culture. And as a subscriber, you get four particular things, among other things, I guess, probably. But these are the ones we're talking about. Ten award-winning print issues, tablet and PDF editions of each issue. You get full access to ChristianityToday.com and online archives dating back to 1956. You can actually read the first issue of Christianity Today. We're working on those. And so we're going to have all of the online archives up by the end of next year. So you do have to subscribe to have access to our online archives, but that is a great plus of subscribing is you get all these years worth, decades worth, dating back to when Billy Graham started the magazine. so. So we have a special deal. 
What's it's, that? Uh, it's a $10 subscription. Oh, my gosh. That's a dollar issue. It's amazing. A dollar an issue. If you go to orderct.com slash podcasts and you type in the space calling, that's the name of our podcast. So easy to remember. If you type in the calling when it asks for a discount code, you will get that offer, which is $10 for a subscription. I think typically it's maybe double that. More than that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so by subscribing to CT, you'll be supporting thoughtful, essential journalism and helping us to continue to produce The Calling and podcasts like The Calling every week. So anyway, let's talk about Trillian Newell. I got to talk to her at the Together for the Gospel conference. That is so exciting, Richard. Yes. <laughs> I was excited. So we, um, we sat in a windowed booth, not a windowed booth, a booth next to a window next to a street, <laughs> a bunch of people milling about next to us. It was weird, uh, which is why I sound weird on the, uh, especially at first, like I, I sound like, um, hey, how's it going? <laughs> and then I sort of warm up a little because so I just was like you. getting used to it. I think she might've been my first interview there actually, but it was good. She's actually the author of Fear and Faith, Finding the Peace Your Heart Craves. But before that, she wrote a book called United, Captured by God's Vision for Diversity in 2014 and some people might know her as the director of community outreach for the ethics and religious liberty commission which is dr moore's thing he's he's the president (laughs) of it so uh it's like a southern baptist lobbying arm basically and they also just say a lot of good things we've been talking about dr moore a lot he was on the first podcast you can go back and listen to that but now we're going to listen to truly newbell talk a little about fear and faith a little about diversity, and in particular, the sort of personal struggles she had with fear in light of writing about diversity, which are fascinating and interesting sort of thoughts about what the local church means to her. So it'll be good. Let's do it. They're like the the cutest kids ever. I love my little babies. So, yeah, um... Weston is nine, Sydney mm-hmm. is six, mm-hmm. and they are lovely and fun and spunky. And my son is um, smarter than me. <laughs> He's really smart. It's re- we're- he probably knows ba- math better than you. Oh well, that's for I, sure. <laughs> I, I assume that's gonna, that's like the first thing that I expect my son yeah. is gonna do better than me. Oh yeah, yeah. That and like video games probably. That, oh yeah, we will. He's got that nailed down. <laughs> Not video games, just Minecraft. What is it with this Minecraft? Isn't it crazy? It, it makes me insane. so happy. <laughs> so here's the thing: like there are a lot of games that could be as big as Minecraft. Oh. But Minecraft is the biggest game on earth, and it's like the most like valuable constructive experience. Okay. When good you compare to hear. it, when you compare it to like all the other things, sure. I mean, Pokemon has its problems. Yeah. Call of Duty has its problems. I don't know any of those things. He doesn't do Pokemon or Call of Duty. Uh-huh. He he does Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah, I know that one. Okay. You know, a Christian made that. Oh, great. Yeah, the guy who <laughs> made that. Mean, the guy who made that is a Christian. Just oh, fun funny. fact. That is a funny fact because it's scary. Yeah. Anyways, but um and my daughter they they get get on there and they it's actually hilarious. So they will play quote unquote together. But then ever you can kill or something and so she will kill <laughs> he will kill her and she will be like tears. <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. Why did you 
kill me. And he's like, everyone kills everyone, Sydney. And so they just fight. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just, it's, so anyways, it's fun to watch them. <laughs> yeah. I think video games get you really familiar with the idea that everyone kills everyone. Yeah. That's a that's a, a a thing that you learn yeah. from video games. So, um, you're truly a new bell. Yes. So you're the author of two books. Yes. United and Fear and Faith. Yes. United is about race in the church. Diversity in the church. Diversity in the church. Yeah. Okay. And Fear and Faith is about fear, fear and faith. And faith. <laughs> that's cool. Yep. It's uh yeah it's about all the fears that we struggle with and where we can find our faith in in God and hope in Christ. So the way I know you is that you're a writer. And uh, one question we ask everybody at the beginning of this podcast, which may differ from writer, quote unquote, is how would you define or describe your calling? I am a wife, mom, writer, speaker. I think that's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that would sum it up. Yeah. yeah. I don't have, gosh, it's so funny, calling, because that's kind of one of these phrases that are being thrown out all the time and i don't have this oh i'm called to this except for proclaim christ i know that there's to go make disciples of all nations starting with my kids and then my neighbors love my neighbors as myself so if i really have a calling that would be my calling so you got your calling from the bible yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's what i'm hearing yes okay good no yeah we call this podcast the calling is so fascinating all of the answers are different Yes. Like, all of the answers to this thing are, like, drastically different. Not just in, I mean, obviously, they would be different in terms of individuals have different callings, but the ways people answer that question are very different. Yes. So, I think you're the first one who's been like, well, the Bible says to do this, so I do that. Oh, well, there you go. So, that's cool. <laughs> so, uh, but you you also listed things, like, um, roles that you play. Yes. Which is wife, mom, writer... What was the other thing? Speaker. Speaker. Do you have a favorite? Well, yeah, I have a favorite family in general. I mean, I just love- Wife and mother. Yeah, I really love being my husband's spouse, partner, lover, (laughs) friend. (laughs) You made a face for the listeners. I made a face, you couldn't see it. (laughs) And um, and I love my children. So it's- And I, I, I enjoy them. I really enjoy them. And that's not being- Hashtag fake. No. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I really do. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. No, I really love my family. Do those roles of wife and mother ever, how would you say they mesh with writer and speaker? Do they play off of each other in particular ways? Well, yes. In some ways they do because I write often about my experiences as a wife and a mother. Not often about all the time, but I do. I write about... um, being in a interracial marriage, I write about. I don't write much about m- my kids unless it's just general things about. But I do write about miscarriages. I've had miscarriages for, and so I've I've written about just that those experiences and how the Lord is encouraging and helping and comforting and. But um, yeah. So they do, and also they're my they're they're incredibly supportive and i would not be able to do this without them they they are cheering and praying and it's sweet it's so sweet you write a lot about your personal life you mentioned some of that struggles you've gone through you write about personal relationships that sort of thing and i'm curious like why do you do that because i think what you hear a lot these days is a lot of pushback on that approach i don't know if you're familiar with this but there's like a lot of people writing about how personal narrative is like weird or risky 
I'm wondering if you thought through, like, what do people gain from reading about my life? Well, the scriptures say comfort with the comfort you've received from Christ, right? So what comfort have I received? I'm going to share in order to... A very act- specific kind of comfort. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> incredibly specific. So it would be hard for me to say, oh, yes, comfort from the comfort you've received. I could easily, okay, I, I'm going to just share scripture, exegetical writing. I could, <laughs> Yeah, I could do that. Or I could also share personal, okay, this is actually how the Lord has been faithful, how I've seen him work. And this is what the scriptures say about that. So I like both. I, yeah. I think both are um, good and important and each play their own role. So, yeah. So that would be my answer is that um, and it is risky, but it's only risky if you. OK, I want to be real careful. It is risky, especially in this Internet world. But I have nothing to hide and I'm not sharing. There's not much that I share that is so personal that I, I mean, I don't know what my risk would be, to be honest. Do you ever like start to share something and decide not to? If I'm angry. <laughs> That's where I stop. Like, OK, this is probably not going to benefit the body because right now I'm angry and it's in response to something. And it's usually race related. And that's I I usually don't share everything I'm thinking in regards to race because of emotion. I want to make sure that I'm at peace and that I can do it um, rationally and with um, motivated by a love for others and not just because I'm angry. Right. <laughs> have you had experiences where you where you have shared an anger in a public way and like regretted it? No. Because I'm really careful. I've I did regret one comment that I snapped back at someone because I couldn't I just I didn't understand why they would comment a certain comment. And then I pulled back and another friend kind of helped ease that. And so um, and I just apologized privately to the person. But most of the time, I try to be rather prayerful. Most of the things that I reg- I regret is like, oh, man, I probably should have thought about grammar when I wrote that. Because <laughs> yeah. social media is really hard. You're like using your thumbs. and You should do like I, me and just give up on Twitter. I, 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 I gotta have. Yeah. The punctuation <laughs> is not necessary on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, I, I gotta have. I'm like, oh, forget it. But so, or, or things like, I, I have um, like autocorrect things. So things that are a little less important right. is what I'm mostly like, oh man, I should have done that. But I, I try to be really prayerful about what I put out. And, and I've written articles actually even for CT before that I've come back and said, yeah, we're not going <laughs> to, I can't do that <laughs> because I know where I'm at the moment. I know, you know, this isn't probably going to serve people because. So you've written them and come back and said, actually, never mind. I don't yes. want to. Yeah. Fascinating. Since your calling is here are some things God tells me to do. When did God call you to those things? And I guess what I'm really asking is, like, can you describe your conversion experience? Yes. Like okay. when you were saved. I became a Christian when I was 22. So I was a little older. I was actually incredibly, quote unquote, liberal. I, I don't know these. I hate these uh, labels, but this is where we go. This is where everyone will understand. Okay. So I was, <laughs> uh, quote unquote, liberal and um, really pro-choice, very fem- feminist, I guess. Um and Would you call yourself a feminist now? Would I call myself a feminist? Yeah. Uh, no, I call myself a lover of women. That sounds weird, but I love women. I love women. I want to see them 
thrive. I you don't to see think the, the label is helpful? Uh, do I think? I know there's debate. There's debate about that within Christian circles about whether that label is super helpful. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know the debate. Sorry, I'm not uh, aware of this debate that's going on. Um, I didn't know the debate that you just talked about either. I, I don't I'm know just going to bring up debates. various debates. You know, you don't know that. That's but. interesting to me. Like, um. Some of us are drawn to these debates. Oh, yes. Right? They're yeah. drawn to the controversy. Drawn to like, wait, there's something I need to argue with someone about? Yeah. Tell me about that. <laughs> but you don't seem to no, care at all. Uh, I, no, I don't care about debates because there's always a debate. And I used to, I used to probably be like, oh, what's going on now on Twitter? <laughs> uh-huh. What's going on? And, and it sucks you dry. And, and I really do, I'm thinking, okay, what what's going on with my neighbor? You know, mm. I just uh, so I I I care about the debates only when I know that it's actually affecting someone I know and I I can communicate you know, that I see and I, and I I communicate on d- various debates. I've talked pretty openly on Twitter and about and Facebook about Donald Trump, mm-hmm. and so I'm not. I'm not compl- I'm not blind to it. I'm looking and seeing, but debates like about feminists, I have no idea. Yeah, and <laughs> the Donald Trump always, thing is kind of in your face, like it, it's yeah, everywhere. The, the, yeah, but but there always are debates about feminists. I mean, that's w- what should women do? How should women do this? And blah, blah blah. I mean, it's constant. So I don't. That's probably why I'm not aware of all of the debates on that regard. But um, but my conversion story, yes. So I would have I would have been labeled a feminist, and I'm not anti-feminist. I'm just just FYI. But anyways, someone sh- shared the gospel with me when I was 19. I was dating a guy. Didn't want to give that relationship up. Um, had other things going on. Hated. I just really kind of hated Christians. I just thought they were scary, foolish, legalistic jerks and so mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> didn't want to have anything to do with them and then i heard that actually you're saved by grace and it is not by your own doing and i was like oh i've never i didn't hear that before and i understood the gospel of grace and when i was 22 after two broken engagements i um, submitted my life to the lord and haven't looked back and my life has been forever changed I mean, radically changed. My worldview changed. Everything is changed. It's amazing. Yeah. The big question I have is back then, before you were a Christian, did people know you as a positive, happy person in the way that they do now? They did? Yes. So you were a positive, happy, liberal, pro-choice person. Absolutely. Were you uh, atheist, agnostic? No, I was ignoring. Okay. <laughs> I, w- I mean, I really knew that there was a God. I was a holiday Christian, so I'd go okay. we'd dress up and go on special holidays. And th- except for when I got into college, I did. There was no reason to go. I didn't go to church. That is. Um, but I was just, I was definitely happy. And um, so it's not as if it's not as if becoming a Christian changed your entire personality, no. but it changed like, I guess the reasons for that. Okay. So for example, I always, always had this, a love for people and a desire to see unity among various cultures and classes and very much in the, the liberal realm of social uh, justice and, and not that social justice is a liberal thing, right? But in my, that time, I, I was it was kind of was in that time, unfortunately. Well, in that time, it was, but also I was in in every way, just very much um, people and rights. And then I started reading the Bible, 
and I realized, oh, wait a minute. God created us all made in his image yeah. <laughs> equally. Then throughout all of scripture, you see that he's he is um, trying to uh, bring a people of all tribes, tongues and nations to himself. And so it real, I realized that this some of these things that I thought were just my liberal desires were actually in the word of God. Right. 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 Yeah. And, and so there were reasons for them. There were reasons yeah. for them. Yeah. And as a, someone, every, everyone who's born is created in the image of God. It's not regardless of whether or not we've submitted to that reality and whether we've submitted to Jesus. And so I think that God gives us common grace and gives everyone the ability to reflect him in some way where you, where, why you can see people who love others who aren't, don't know Jesus, but they can still love others and have joy. Right. And cause we, he's given us this capability to enjoy sunsets because it's his glory, you know? So, so yeah, I was happy and I was, but it, when I became a Christian, my worldview un- changed, especially, I think, in regards to abortion. I would have been incredibly pro-choice. Like, the man didn't have any rights. The woman had a right. And it doesn't, didn't matter wh- to what extent. I just incredibly pro- pro-choice. And so as as I understood that God also cre- knitted us in our mother's womb and that children are a gift. And, um, it, yeah, I would not have wanted children. I, I just thought they would have been a hindrance. That would probably be the, probably be the most radical change and everything else. I think I now see, oh, this is his, this is why, this is why I have a desire for that. And now it makes a lot, a lot of sense and right. it's just encouraging. So were, were you writing at that time or did? Yes. Okay. At that time I did mostly research and I wrote for our college paper at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. And then I did other student government things. I was very active and did, yes, but I did do, I was doing some writing. But then when I became a Christian, I, I wrote every now and then, and then I started writing for the new Sentinel, our, our paper, our local paper in Knoxville. When did you meet your husband? He was the guy that we had two broken engagements. So. Wow. <laughs> so he became a Christian maybe a year or so after I did. Uh-huh. And then he asked me to date. I said, no, I waited a year. He asked me again. I said, yes, within like six months we were married. Wow. Yeah. And we've been married for 13 years. That's great. Yeah. It's awesome. I love it. 13 years. <laughs> yes. This episode is brought to you by the Truce Podcast. I'm sure you've been there. You're at an event, a dinner, a small group, and someone says something like, If you're a Christian, you have to vote Republican. Huh. That raises an interesting question. How did evangelicals like me get to the place where we just assumed we'd all vote one way? This season on the Truce Podcast, we're diving deep into the complexity of the 1970s and 80s to understand how evangelicals tied themselves to the Republican Party. It's a story that involves murder, corruption, redemption, and our need to be heard. I'll be talking with celebrated historians like Rick Perlstein, Pulitzer Prize winners Francis Fitzgerald and Jesse Isinger, and some of the best guests I've ever had. Truce is the show that uses journalistic tools to look inside the Christian church. We press pause on the culture wars in order to explore how we got here and how we can do better. Subscribe to Truce anywhere you get podcasts or listen at trucepodcast.com. You became a Christian. You continued to write. And was there ever a time you started to doubt whether you should write? Or 
doubt whether like that was something you should pursue. You know what? After my son was born, I I never doubted whether I should write. Um, but I I continued to battle whether I should work. That was a battle because I was also I was a fit, group fitness instructor and then I became a manager. Um, it was all very part time, but I always had this internal battle in my heart until it, it until my, my husband he's always been incredibly supportive and encouraging and some I don't know what happened but all of a sudden I just felt a lot of freedom like I don't have to, I I feel I think I was trying to keep up with a conservative I don't know what I was doing but kind of like trying to be like the stereotype of yes. like what what you're supposed to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I was, yeah, almost coming to some kind of pressure and the Lord just relieved that in so many ways. One by my husband's complete and total support and uh, affirmation. And then also it's been nothing but continuous growth. So I just think, okay, as long as I'm conti- continuing to um, be asked to write, and being more affirmed by other people as well, then okay, I can I can just walk in faith and trust the Lord, and yeah, it's I just it's help it helps our family in amazing ways. So, so I no long yeah, but there was one season where I just doubted every I just was confused. I was like, okay, Lord, what can I do? What should I not do? And He freed me of that because I think I was just really actually um, in legalism. Is is one of those terms that we throw around, but it, but what it actually means is I was trying is trying to earn favor before the Lord for salvation, but I was I think trying to earn favor before man, like I wanted to look like okay, see I'm a I'm doing this mom thing. I've totally been there, not yeah. the mom thing. But yeah, <laughs> and, I've been there. Yeah, and yeah. so it was so good to say no. Yeah, I'm doing this mom thing because I love my kids. Oh, and I'm also serving them by working. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that a nice like realization to actually have? Like it's really freeing to like suddenly be like, oh, all these people around here who are who are very important and wise. Like I don't, ha- they have expectations that aren't necessarily the thing. And I can do what's I in can the Bible. Be free. Yeah, and I can. Just... I, my calling can be what's in the Bible. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's freeing. It is so freeing, and it's um, and I've so I've had so much joy in writing um this last year. <laughs> 2014 was hard. Why? Well, United came out, which was is United captured by God's vision for diversity. And I just didn't realize how many racists were still around. <gasps> wow. I just, I knew that racism still exists. I knew that racists were uh-huh. still around. That was not a book that was like in your face. No, it was very not in your face. Yeah. But what it ex- did was it exposed me oh to more of the divide. Yeah. So it wasn't that people were interacting with my book and okay. saying, Oh, People were very um, encouraging about the book, but it exposed I, I exposed me to people who really disagreed. Where I wasn't as exposed before because I I was I was talking just to my friends and neighbors about things I was struggling with, not the world. Or who really disagreed with what in particular? People had I remember speaking once and someone came up to me and they just didn't understand. They thought 
I was like subhuman or something. Like we we're created. Like I couldn't be oh created gosh. in the image of God. Yeah, I've had all sorts of things said to me. Um, and and so I've had I had to battle with um loving people and battle with trusting God and um understanding that sanctification is progressive. It's not <laughs> immediate. And um, yeah, I don't think about this a lot, but I guess. And I'm not telling you, but I'm just thinking about the, what you're s- struggling with. I guess you have to love that person that came up to you and told you that. Yes. So how do you do that? Like, how do you concretely love someone who tells you they don't, they think they're like, you're like a lesser person than them? Yeah. Well, f- first of all, I opened the scriptures to this man. It was a white male. And I, I just said, you know, read this, mm-hmm. read this because I can't convince you. And then there, there were times where I'd go back into my room and I'd cry. I'd be at hotels by myself. I'd just cry. I mean, that's the truth. That's where I was a lot in 2014. And then, um, but for me to love others, I just, <laughs> the truth is, is, and I know this seems so cliche because we say <laughs> these things, but I am a great sinner. And I really do believe that as I, if I have to think, okay, what is some of the, deepest darkest of the grossest stuff that i think you know feel whatever okay if i can remember that (laughs) then i can love this person because because we're all i mean we all have our thing you know and um because i think racism is gross i think it's sick i think it's grotesque and so i have to remind myself there are struggles that i have that are gross sick grotesque and um things that yeah, and and though nothing that would disqualify me from ministry. Yeah, I just want so I just want to to remember that so that I can love others. So that's how I fight it is just to remember that we all need Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so um, one thing that you talk about in your book is living, sort of living out diversity in the context of local church, um, which I really appreciate. And um, I'm I'm wondering about the local church's sort of involvement. In this period, so you're writing a lot, you're writing a lot of books, um, and certainly a lot of the origination, a lot of the origin, origination isn't a word, is it? Hey, you know what? I've said all sorts of things in this podcast, so. <laughs> I, I was the- like, exigital. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of the origination of your ideas, I'm owning it. I own it. Um, <laughs> probably happens in, in the con, in that context. And, and then you have to deal. So like you said, you were talking to people. It was fine. And then the book came out and you're suddenly exposed to all these people. I'm curious how the local church was involved in that process and how it came alongside you after the release. And that's sort of kind of neat. My pastor, um, at the time put the book in our bookstore. That's fun. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. So I was really blessed by that. And, you know what? It originated from an email that I sent to our pastors talking about the experiences of being a black female in the white, predominantly white church. So right. they they weren't surprised. That email would have. So that email is just to say, like, this is what, like, can we work on this? Or yeah, yeah. well, they they were asking me something. I, okay, because they would ask my opinion or reflect. They were very kind to do that and mm-hmm. so i told them honestly okay this is probably what some people are experiencing oh, i yeah. took that email put it in a blog post that and that's why the book is where it is now that it's even a book because someone read read it and and um it's this 
kind of history. But anyways, so yeah, I've received a lot of support, but then I moved to Nashville from the, where I was in Knoxville and, and I've, yeah, I, I, I've received support from that church as well. Yeah, I've just, I think what I try to do <laughs> is I do not draw attention to the fact that I'm a writer. A much. fancy person. I'm not fancy mm-hmm. at all. Good mm-hmm. grief. I, well, I'm actually incredibly, incredibly, incredibly normal. <laughs> and so I just, I don't even know if who knows that I have. So, yeah. So you're not walking into the local church going, support my writing work. I'm not walking in there. And I'm also, I hope, not walking in demanding my way. Yeah. You, there have, there's been moments of that, I'm sure. I know that actually, but where I've been like, well, I don't know about this, <laughs> but, um, I think everyone does that. Though. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to be a writer to do that. No, yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> I, um, so yeah, I, but I've, I remember my pastor now brought me into a pastoral meeting and they sat down with me and talked for, I don't know how long it was about race in the church and things that they could do. And so it was really neat. It's been really sweet. So, so I've always, always been cared for and, and asked my opinion, which I think is sweet and good. Do you ever get tired of being asked your opinion on these kind of things? Yeah. Um, I know you've kind of put yourself out there as that person at this point, but also like there's just a tendency that white people have to ask black people all of the questions. I'm so glad you said that. Uh-huh. And the answer is, Yes. <laughs> That's the, I don't get tired of answering these questions, but I want to make sure that people know. And, and I, I do feel like because I, I also write for table talk and I've never written about race for table talk. I've written about uh, devotionals and all sorts of other things. And so I, and I'm so grateful for that, but I do want to make sure that people know that we have a g- wide scope of things that we can write and think about, which I have had the opportunity to do. So uh, Fear and Faith, and um, I have another book coming out that I, I don't think I can say yet, but it, it's with Waterbrook Multnomah. Um, and, um, and so, yeah, I think God has given me an opportunity and, and God, God is using these other organizations, the Gospel Coalition and Desiring God and, um, Table Talk, Relevant Magazine, CT, various things to think on things that are not just race. That's really important. So important because it is not the summation of who I am. It is a very sweet part of how God created me, but every, everyone should be talking about this because God's created us all with certain ethnicities, right? I don't know why we think the black people are the only people. <laughs> the only ethnic people. Yeah. <laughs> We're the only ethnic people. Uh-huh. But there's it's so much diversity in the world. It's so funny. So anyways, but um and I know what it is. I think it's our it's our history. Right. You know. Yeah. But uh yes, yeah, so So do you um so you you decided to write a book about fear and faith. Why why fear? Because I've experienced lots of it. Um, I've had four miscarriages, the death of my father, the death of my sister who on her 40th birthday. Um, yeah, I've just experienced. And that results in fear? For me, a lot of the tragedy has. I've had to fight fear. What's going to happen next? What is God going to do? Even this fear, not the fear of the Lord, but fear of God. Like being afraid of him. Like, oh, what is he, what's going to happen next? And having to trust 
the Lord and know that he is loving and good. So he's not just sovereign, but he's loving, he's good, he's kind. Um, and so that has, it definitely, yes. Um, I was sexually assaulted when I was, yeah. Um, well, how old were you? 19. 19. Yeah. Okay. Guy went to jail. It was In college? Weird, college. Yeah. Okay. It was a weird situation. Totally innocent situation that turned not so good. And, um, and so, uh, but, you know, found out he was molesting his kids. It wow. was just a real mess and yeah. so sad. So, so sad. But, um, but yeah. So I think that I've experienced my life experience that we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. has, um, yeah been something that the lord has has used to 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 bring me even closer to himself and to teach me how to trust him and really ultimately to fear him to to worship him and to to be captivated by him because i've had to in a lot of ways but women fear all sorts of things so fear and faith isn't just about tragedy it's also about fear of man fearing other people um it's also about uh, um body image and just how we struggle with that fear and fearing other women, competition. So it's it's about loads of other things. And I'm really thankful about for that opportunity to write that. So what do you do at your local church? I help lead our women's ministry. And we're, I think this, I can say this, we're working on um, a prayer team that I'll probably help. Well, I am helping to start up a prayer team. And then I do children's ministry. So I work in our little kids, um, little walker kids. They walk and <laughs> just walking. And those are the three major areas that I do. So in all of that ministry stuff that you're doing, you're interacting with people a lot. What is the biggest struggle that you have? So in writing, my biggest struggle is not is to trust because mm. good grief. You put those words out there and. <laughs> they're they're out there right and so i have to especially in a book i mean once it's printed it's like okay well <laughs> yeah hope that wasn't stupid so i have to trust <laughs> i really have to trust it's scary yes and you don't want to ha- write a book and then have to write a bunch of posts okay well this is what i actually meant you need to write it and mean <laughs> yeah. what you mean yeah. you know what i mean yeah and so there's a fear there and fear of the lord as well because good people are reading it and they are they they really they're they're reading and they're searching and so you want to i or i want to make sure that it's focused on the gospel and people find hope and truth and um that it's not heretical or a mess so there's loads of fear there but are things that i have to just battle um and trust lots of okay i gotta trust you lord um i'm not i hope you i don't know that most writers are so self-assured that they put it out and they're like that was amazing i'm so good at what i do most of us well, are other like, than me oh we'll see that rich there if we could all be like you <laughs> but the most of us are like oh, lord i just have to trust you and please may it serve someone and make not make you look foolish not you know i want to glorify god and and but it, with other ministry things so speaking would be trusting God that I would not draw too, so much attention to, you know, that, I, that the Lord would be magnified and glorified and that um, I would be small. And and then ministry to the local church is just that I would be faithful. And so um, and to be really honest, because of ministry 
beyond the local church, it takes work to be faithful to the ministries where I am. I relate to that. Yeah. It is really hard. I think, I don't know, I feel like the biggest dummy because I sometimes feel like this job I have means that I'm too busy to serve in the local church. Even though, like, most, like, a big part of my job is, like, for a thing called the local church. Right. Uh, <laughs> and I feel like that's just, that, that's my, that's my job. Like, lots of people have jobs. So they go to church and they serve at the local right. church. So why can't I do that? You know, that's, why, why do we do that? Well, I serve at the local church. My problem is, is sometimes I'm at things like where we are. Right. And it takes oh, me away true. from the local church. So I don't have trouble serving when I'm, or as long as I'm there or at our home or so. Um, but I think what happens, and this is actually one of the things that I asked my pastor before I joined, I was like, I just need a safe place because I'm big. I'm ministering all the time. I don't want to be ministering all the time. Right. There are times where I just need to be able to cry and weep or ask for prayer, which I ask for prayer anyways. I, where, I mean, I'll be on social media asking for prayer. I'm not afraid to do that. But, but it's, I just, so I think that's probably part of it is that there has to be space where everything can't be ministry. Everything can't be your ministry. And so my local church is a part of my ministry to like in terms of, okay, God calls us to a body and I'm a part of that. I'm one of the, I'm the pinky, Yeah, you know, I'm yeah. a part of this yeah. body and yeah. I, I'm going to serve and I'm going to serve in whatever way that they need me to serve. And, and so I am ministering in that way, but I'm not going to go around handing out my articles. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, Oh, here, buy my book. I'm not going to do that. I've got to get out of the habit of saying like, I wrote about that. Here's, here's a link. Oh, yeah. Like, I have a bad habit of doing that because I'm the worst, which I think is a theme in this interview for some reason, that I'm the worst. (laughs) Um, I don't know what that is. (laughs) So, if you could, um, this is the question I ask most people that I interview. Okay. If you could go back in time in a time machine and appear uh, in the past to yourself, what would you say? What advice would you give her? If I could go back to a time, as much as I've been through, I probably wouldn't change anything because I am who I am now as a result of, and God has done so much and he has so much more to do. (laughs) But so I, so I'm trying to think of what, yeah, there was a time in our marriage when um, the economy dropped and I was really anxious because my sweet, sweet husband was anxious. And so we were all just a bunch of anxious, yeah. <laughs> just a ball of anxiety. Yeah. And so I would probably have told her, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Quit and worrying. Quit worrying. Yeah. And then I would have kissed him more huh. rather than corrected him so much. Um, I think I was so like, get it together. <laughs> <laughs> We've got, yeah. we've got to get, we're gonna get through this. I would have been a lot more, like, we will be okay, and I will kiss you more. You've been listening to the calling. Trillian Newbell is the author of Fear and Faith: Finding the Peace Your Heart Craves, and United 
captured by God's vision for diversity. She's also the director of community outreach for the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. You can follow Trillia Newbell on Twitter at Trillia Newbell. Remember to rate and review the show on iTunes. It helps us a lot. The Calling is produced by Cray Allred. Theme music by Lee Rosevere, used under Creative Commons 4.0.